Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The news, news doesn't care about you. I'm not trying to get you to stop watching the news or reading the paper, but it's striking to notice that the news broadcast will happen whether or not you watch it. The paper will get printed whether or not you pick it up and read it, and the stories will get written whether or not you are paying attention. Of course, your attention is worth something to the news. Subscribers and viewers equal dollars and cents. And there are plenty of journalists who believe what they write and want you to hear it and believe it too because they think it's important and that it has an impact on your life. But by and large, the news doesn't care about you. And that is mainly owing to the fact that what is covered by the news, much of what is covered by the news, has nothing to do with you. It grabs your attention for a moment, but the practical impact on your life is zero. It doesn't change what you do today, and it's quickly forgotten tomorrow. Again, I'm not trying to get you to stop reading the paper or watching the news, because this isn't actually about the news. It's really about history. You could think about the news as an ongoing chronicle of history. And history doesn't care about you either. History does care about some people. The rich and the powerful, for instance. The likes of Caesar Augustus and Quirinius. It cares about them when they do big things like wage war, negotiate peace, build roads and cities, levy taxes, and issue decrees calling for a registration, a census. History cares about the movers and the shakers, the famous and the infamous. But even them, even the ones who make headlines, the ones whose faces everyone knows, even them, history doesn't really care about. They're useful as objects, objects of scorn or admiration, symbols of big ideas and big events. But history doesn't care about them as people the way that you care, for instance, about the people in your life. People are memorialized by history, but they're like statues, cold and lifeless. We know how this works in our own lives as living memories fade. You care a great deal about your parents and your grandparents and perhaps your great-grandparents. Go back further, And you might know some names, and you might know some things they did or where they came from. Maybe you even have a photograph. But you just don't care about them in the same way. You can't. Because time trundles along, and it leaves people behind. And it will be the same for you and me. Even if you do something earth-shattering, and you make the national news, and your name is recorded in the history books, even then, if there's a photo of you left for your great-great-great-grandchildren to see, even then, you and I will become one day distant memories. At best, memorialized by history like statues, cold and lifeless. This is all captured in the way that Luke begins his account of the Nativity of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. History cares enough about Caesar Augustus and Quirinius to record some of their activity. And there they sit, 
names on a page. If you're going to pay attention to history, if you're going to read the news, those are the kinds of guys that you're going to read about. Not Joseph. Not Mary. Not the baby in her tummy. The news wouldn't have cared about Joseph and Mary, just as Caesar and Quirinius didn't care. They cared about numbers in their record books, tally marks in a column. But Joseph and Mary and the baby in her tummy are simply not headline material. Caesar and Quirinius didn't care about Mary and Joseph, and neither apparently did any of Joseph's relatives in Bethlehem. No one could be found who would give up a room for this poor woman, great with child. And so when Mary gave birth to the baby, she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The animals who couldn't eat from their manger and the neighbors who would have heard the cries, they knew something had happened, but this was nothing newsworthy. And at first glance, this moment in history seems like every other insignificant moment in history, just a tiny ripple in the water among the streaming currents and crashing waves of the likes of Caesar Augustus and Quirinius. History didn't care about Mary and Joseph, just as it doesn't care about you and me. But in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Being a shepherd was nothing glamorous. It was a job that often fell to the youngest son in the family, like David, the son of Jesse, the youngest son whose inheritance was the last portion. You spent all your time with the sheep, day and night, so you weren't exactly running in the circles of high society, and it probably made you a little awkward, too. It was a run-of-the-mill kind of existence, the kind that would generally go unnoticed by history or by the news. But while those shepherds were out in the field, suddenly, everything changed. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. History had gotten it wrong. History had missed this one. While history was paying attention to the movers and shakers, to Caesar and Quirinius, in that lowly manger... The most important thing that has ever happened was beginning to take place. And it wasn't the news covering it, broadcasting it across the world. It wasn't the gossip of the locals or the rumors of family and friends that broke the story. It was angels appearing to people that the news would never have cared about. It was angels appearing to shepherds, saying to them that a baby had been born for them. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is good news of great joy for all the people. This is news that cares about you. This is history that happened for you. With the birth of Jesus, everything is turned on its head. Caesar and Quirinius thought they were directing the course of history with their policies and their influence, but we learn on this day that they were just pawns, instruments of God, 
so that the word could be filled, fulfilled which had been spoken by the prophets, <clears throat> the word which said that this baby would be born in Bethlehem. They thought they were manipulating numbers on a page and tally marks in a column to enrich themselves and make the Roman Empire prosperous, but it was God all along governing this world, guiding the current and the waves of history so that in the fullness of time he could send forth his son to be born of a virgin to redeem you. History had missed this one. And I think you could say that history has been trying to catch up ever since. The amount of attention that's devoted to Christmas in our world is unbelievable. But how much of it misses the point entirely? Even when a nativity scene makes its way into the decorations, how often are those figures, Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger, how often are they just memorials of history, statues, cold and lifeless? How often does the news of the birth of Jesus take on the same character as every other news story, catching your attention today, but quickly forgotten tomorrow? In the end, it doesn't matter whether or not the news cares about you. This story is not about hot takes and catchy headlines. It's not about sensational pictures and shocking reveals. It doesn't matter whether history cares about you or not. The history of this world is, in fact, not a pretty picture anyhow. The history of this world is a story of sin and death. The slow trundling of time that leaves people behind is not a happy thing. It is the darkness of this world the sorrow of this land of deep darkness, the darkness that you and I are responsible for. And in our sin, what we deserve is to be lost and forgotten forever, to become less than a statue, cold and lifeless. But God would not have it be so. For his love for you is such that he does not want you to remain in darkness. He does not want you to continue in sin or suffer under his wrath. He does not want you to die. And so he has directed all of history, big and small, waves and ripples, your coming and your going, all of that he has directed so that you can hear the good news of great joy proclaimed to the shepherds. So that hearing of the child born in Bethlehem, hearing of his life, death, and resurrection, you can come and worship with him, worship him on bended knee, trusting him, receiving from him forgiveness, life, and salvation. This is a moment in time, an event, unlike any other. The birth of Jesus didn't just happen and stay put, so that now we watch it grow further and further into the distant past. The birth of Jesus marked the beginning of a life that would not one day fade away in memory. Even as Jesus hung on the cross and breathed his last, giving up his spirit, the words that he spoke to Martha still rang true. I am the resurrection and the life, he said. It was a life unlike any other, a life unstained by sin, a life of perfect obedience, a perfect love for his heavenly Father, a perfect love for you. And it is a life that's unlike any other because it is a life without end. None of the things that spoil our lives or bring them to their tragic ruin, none of those things had any power over Jesus. Not sorrow, not sickness, not even death and the grave could force his life to be left behind, to fade away. And it gets better yet. For in sending angels to announce to the shepherds, in sending his disciples out into the world, and in sending this good news of great joy to you, he invites you into his life. 
He draws your life out of this world and into his kingdom. As surely as he said, I am the resurrection and the life, he also went on to say to you, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He says that about you. You who were born just like him. You who had a nativity, a day when you were born from above, born again, not of sinful flesh but of the Spirit, born by water and God's holy word. In holy baptism, your life was bound up with his, inseparable. Like Christmas, your baptism is not something that just happened and stayed put so that now you watch it grow into distant past. Your baptism marked the beginning of a life that would one day not fade away in memory. Even as you lie on your deathbed and breathe your last, Christ's words will still ring true for you. Even though you die, yet shall you live. That is something that history cannot comprehend. It's something that breaks history, that breaks through history, just as the company of the heavenly host broke through the sky to proclaim the good news to such unlikely folks as those lowly shepherds. This is news that doesn't just captivate today and fade away tomorrow. It is a story that commands your whole life, day in and day out. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.